Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to this week's Cyber Church session, uh, where, we, where we're going to help you change the way you see God. If you've got a, if you're afraid of God, if you're afraid He's going to hurt you, if you think God's tormenting you, if you think God is killing people you love, if you think He's making life hard, I got news for you. We're going to help you see God the way Jesus presented God, because any concept that we have of God, any image that we have of God. That is not in harmony with the life Jesus lived, with the message that he preached, with the way he ministered to people, with what he accomplished through the death, burial, and resurrection. If it varies from those points, then the real truth is it is not a proper representation of God. Even though you may be looking at a scripture that you think you've got the right interpretation, if, if it's inconsistent with what Jesus showed us, and what he modeled and what he taught to us, then the real truth is it is not the gospel and it is not an accurate picture of God. God wants you to see him as he is so he can be your source. He can be your redeemer. He can be your deliverer. He can be your protector. He can be your provider. He can be the person that makes life work for you. And I'm telling you what, if, you're, you know, if your walk with Jesus is hard, then something's wrong. Either you, either you know the truth and don't believe it, or you just don't know the truth because it is not supposed to be hard. Jesus himself said, if we'll take our, if we will take his yoke upon, in other words, if we will harmonize with him, if we will sync up with him, if we will get in step with him on what we believe, how we approach life and all of those, how we manage all of our relationships, and all those things, he says, it's going to be easy and light and you'll get rest to your soul. Man, I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm loving the concept of rest to myself. You know, today's one of those days I just woke up this morning, and you know, honestly, I, I don't feel really great. I had an, a, a mild infection for a few days, and you know, that always sucks the energy out of you. And then we had a couple of weeks here where we were where we were moving out of uh, one of our buildings and uh, selling that to another church, and. Man, and of course, I didn't have to do a lot of the hard work, but boy, I'll tell you what my girls did, but I, I had to do enough work uh, that it really, it really wore me out. So, you know, so I wake up this morning, I don't physically feel the best in the world, but here's the great thing. Internally, I feel incredible. Internally, I'm happy. Internally, I'm rejoicing. You know, like I've told you for years, you know, one of my, one of my sayings based on my personal translation of a scripture in Proverbs is every day's a holiday and every meal's a banquet, and it should be. Man, I'm telling you, we should be celebrating our way through life, regardless of what's going on out here, but because we are experiencing something inwardly. You know, I haven't thought about this in years, but I remember the, I remember the first time I had somebody threaten to kill me because of the gospel. You know, uh, the first three years I was born again, I was out on the streets ministering to people. And, you know, this is when the hippies hung out on the streets at night and that we had what we call head shops and, and people would hang out and they'd hang out in the parks. And, and so, you know, I'd go out at night, stay out, you know, till all hours of the night, meeting people, ministering to them, sharing Jesus with them. And so um, 
there was a group of young people that were part of the local Catholic church. And I'm not trying to kick the Catholics. I'm just telling you the story as it happened. And so many of these parents uh, got upset that their children were getting born again. They did not like that because they wanted them to be Catholics, not Christians. And sadly, there, there is a difference. And so I'll never forget one day, I walked to the phone and all of a sudden, man, I was flooded with peace. I started laughing. I had joy in my heart. And the person that was in the room there said, what's going on? I said, I said uh, somebody just called me and said they were going to kill me if I didn't stop winning all these teenagers to Jesus. And, and they're, they're like, and that made you happy? No, that didn't make me happy. But there was something inside me that made me rejoice, that made me happy, that made me experience God in a way that didn't matter what was going on on the outside out here. So, so you know, I, I woke up this morning in really just thinking about and enjoying the fact that this journey is so easy and that this journey is so lot. Matter of fact, all I've really got to do for my life to continue to be easy. And people ask me all the time, Jim, what's your, what's your strategy? What do you do? Well, here, here's what I do. I get up and here, here's my goal. I don't get up. My goal is not to build a ministry. My goal is, you know, not to define some type of success and try to go out and, and accomplish it. My goal is to get up every day and uh, walk with Jesus. Just follow him. That, that, that's my number one goal. And number two is that in doing so, I'm going to encounter people and I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to treat them in love. Do I fail at that sometimes? Absolutely. But the point is, that's as complicated as my life gets. Walking with Jesus and treating people the way God wants them to be treated. You know, walking in love toward people. So I've just been, this morning, I mean, I have just been rejoicing at how easy life can be in the middle of a complicated world that's blowing up, in the middle of all kinds of wickedness and evil things that are happening. You can still have peace in your heart. Our, you know, one of our biggest problems is instead of, instead of coming to the Lord and following Him, we come to the Lord with some kind of grand idea and we want Him to follow us. You know, the Bible talks about this pathway where there's life, and it talks about this other pathway where there's death. And if we're walking in this pathway where there's life, we're really never having to pray for anything to happen. We're never having to pray for, you know, for life to come to us because we're bathing in it. We're walking in it. We're enjoying it. And, uh, and you know, easy, easy in life. But then we get over here pursuing something that we think will make us happy, pursuing something that we think will meet our needs, pursuing something that will make us feel like a success. And that's not, there's no life in that path. There is death and destruction. But the problem is we don't want to walk over here where God's walking. We don't want to go over here and get in harmony with Jesus and, and just walk with him and experience what we encounter throughout the day. We want to get over here on a plan of our own, and then we want to call it faith when we're praying and begging God to come over here and bless some, a path, a lifestyle, you know, something that we're pursuing that has nothing to do with Him. We're, we're, we're not yoked up with Him. We're not in harmony with Him. Therefore, life is not easy in life. Proverbs 14, 12 says it this way, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Listen to this. Even laughter, the heart may sorrow, 
and the end of the mirth may be grief. The backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways, but a good man shall be satisfied from above. Now, so you start realizing this is a heart issue. This is about whether or not in my heart I am following God, I am walking with God, I am, I am staying in step with God. I'm always, you know, got my heart open for the direction and the leadership that God wants to, to provide me you know, for that situation. Uh, so, you know, you know, Proverbs 11, 19 says, as righteousness leads to life, so he who pursues, pursues evil pursues it to his own death. Proverbs 12, 28 says, and in the way of righteousness is life, and in its path there is absolutely no death. So this, you know, when you think about life, and the Bible talks about life, it is not talking about just being able to breathe. It's not just talking about the fact that your heart is still beating. It is talking about a quality of life. It's talking about something that, where you have joy and you have peace and, and uh, you feel connected and you, you feel loved and you, you walk in love and you share that with other people. So all of, all of that is a path that Jesus will lead us to walk. And when we choose that path, again, th this whole struggle for praying for God to financially bless me and get me out of trouble, this whole struggle of praying for God to, to heal me and, you know, and get me well, this whole struggle, the whole struggle of everything that we're doing is the chaos and the destruction that comes because of the path we are walking. That's not God punishing us. Uh, that's, that's just what the Bible calls sowing and reaping. You know, when we sow to the flesh, we reap destruction when those seeds grow in our life. And so, you know, our greatest pursuit should be to come to the place where we hear, trust, we hear, recognize, and trust the voice of God in our heart. And I'm telling you, when we walk down this path that has, that has life, we're not, we're not having to spend our faith begging for God to do something. We're not trying to talk God into answering a prayer. We're not trying to talk God into moving on our behalf. We are just enjoying kingdom living because we are walking where Jesus is walking. We are treating people the way Jesus treated people. Uh, we are relating to God based on everything that Jesus showed us about God. Now, you know, what's amazing is the people that are good people, and I tell you, I meet a lot of good people that are not spiritually minded. Now, the Bible tells us in the book of Romans that being spiritually minded is life and peace, but to be carnally or naturally, not carnal doesn't mean evil, it doesn't mean wicked, it pretty much just means natural. It means you are pursuing the natural course of life. You are seeking to gratify the five senses you are trying to find happiness through a natural realm or a natural vein, and it's absolutely never going to happen. You know, you know, when Jesus was preaching, there was a man that came to him by the name of Nicodemus. And, uh, and so Jesus is speaking, and, and uh, so, so Nicodemus is saying, well, well I, you know, I'm not getting what you're saying. Of course, Jesus, you know, Jesus speaks to him and says, you know, you're a leader of Israel, and you don't get this. This is just, this is kindergarten stuff. But Jesus said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So first of all, a person who cannot perceive the kingdom, this life of righteousness, peace, and joy, 
this life where where all of the pieces come together. If you if you can't imagine that, if you can't perceive that, if you can't accept that as a reality, then either one of two things are happening. Number one, either you haven't been born again because you have to be born again to even be able to see or perceive that there is a kingdom. Or secondly, uh, you're, you're just not believing the promises of God. Remember this covenant that we have, according to 2 Corinthians 1.20, says that all the promises that God has ever made to anyone are now ours because we are actually baptized into Christ so that all that he inherited through the resurrection, he shares with us. But Nicodemus said, well, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless a man, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. You know, this is talking about something that is beyond the five natural senses. This is talking about something that is beyond your intellect. This is talking about something that you can experience, but you can't really fully explain, or you can't really fully see. But, but Jesus says all of this is all about uh, being born again and then listening to, following, yielding to the Holy Spirit. You know, a really interesting thing happens when a mother uh, has a baby and when she nurses that baby and, and makes eye contact with that baby, studies show that they begin to experience brain entrainment. And so what happens is the very, the very uh, signals and thoughts and feelings that are coming out of mother's brain as she's making eye contact with that baby, that baby is experiencing them as his or her own experiences, as his or her own thoughts. That's a pretty amazing thing. You know, I tell you, so much of the love that comes that produces stability doesn't come because you're running around telling them every five minutes you love them. As a matter of fact, when you're telling your kids every five minutes that you love them, really you're, you're probably going to build up a resistance to that word ever meaning anything. But I'm going to tell you this, when you can connect with your child in a way that you can convey your love, you can feel your love. When you're looking at them, they will have those very same experiences. You say, well, why are you talking about that in the middle of this? Well, you know, there are dozens, if not hundreds of scriptures that talk about us having a relationship with God. Sometimes it's talking about like a, like a mother uh, nurses, feeds, cares for, and protects her child. There's a, lot, there's a lot of different ways that this is described. But the reality of it is, you know, um, when the Bible speaks about, uh, about Jesus being with God and being God in the first chapter of John, it's really interesting because uh, Greek scholars indicate that, that, that that's kind of referring to them sitting face to face and, and really looking straight into each other's eyes. And so, you know, what, what I've realized is this. We can have that kind of experience with the Holy Spirit because he is here to reveal Jesus to us. He's here to, to teach us what Jesus taught, to bring to our memory what Jesus taught. 
and to lead us in the application of it so that we get to experience the kingdom of God here in, in this life. But that doesn't happen just because we jump up and obey a bunch of rules. That happens because we actually get that same kind of entrainment. And in our heart, we start connecting with God in a way that we experience him in our heart. You know, so we experience that brain entrainment because we are, we are connected. And, you know, we experience, uh, uh, we, we experience what it's like to be a citizen of the kingdom because we get born again and enter the kingdom of God. We allow Christ to rule and reign in our heart. We allow Christ to be our hope of glory. So we experience all of these things with God. And one of the interesting things is the Bible says in the book of Isaiah that we exchange strength. They that wait, and that word wait doesn't mean you're waiting on God because he's late. It means you have entwined and wrapped yourself around God to such a point that you are one with God. He can't move without you moving with him. So this is the ultimate of putting on our yoke, of yoking up with Jesus. This is the ultimate of what happens when we become one with him. Uh, then we, and by the way, you can't become one with God when you are doing it based on your own opinions. Becoming one with God. See, Jesus talked about being one with God, and, and you know, many people misunderstand that theologically. But Jesus pointed out the fact that the reason or the way you know he's one with God because he Everything he did perfectly represented God. Hebrews 11:3. He was the exact representation of God. So Jesus so wrapped himself around and yielded to God that, that they were synced up completely. Well, that's what we're supposed to do through the Lord Jesus Christ. So the thing is, we, as we talked about last week, we are seeking to live and experience this internal kingdom. Now remember, and you know, we touched on this, if you look in the wrong place or if you're looking for the wrong thing, then you won't find the kingdom. If you have defined a concept of the kingdom that is not consistent with what Jesus taught, not consistent with what the New Testament teaches, then the real truth is you're not looking for God and you're really not looking for what Jesus is offering. You're looking for something that you think will get you what you want. So you're walking the wrong path. You are, you're, you're not seeking him and his will. You are seeking him for the benefit of your own will and for the benefit of accomplishing your own will. So, you know, remember, we talked about the fact that the Bible says, seek and you shall find. But remember, the catch to that is you do find what you actually seek. Remember, the Jews rejected Jesus. The Jewish leaders rejected Jesus because they wanted a military leader. They wanted somebody to come on the scene and, and conquer all of Israel's enemies and put them in charge of planet Earth and for, for the Messiah to set up his kingdom there in Israel so, that, so they could rule with him over all of the world. Well, that wasn't what Jesus came to do. The Bible was real clear about that. You know what's really interesting? You go to the book of Daniel. And by the way, you can study the book of Daniel in our eschatology course, uh, the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation. But, uh, but what's really interesting is the book of Daniel not only foretells that the first coming of Jesus, he's going he's gonna to die, he's going to be crucified, but it tells, it tells exactly what year that's going to happen in. There's no wonder that Herod and all these wicked people were looking. They weren't, they weren't looking for the Messiah to welcome him. They were, looking, uh, they were looking for the Messiah to get rid of him 
uh, because they didn't want to lose their jobs. They didn't want to lose their resources and, and their income. So the Jews, they looked for and prayed for the kingdom to come, but their version of the kingdom, like I say, was, was something that was so biblically uh, uh, un, off course that they couldn't even recognize the Messiah when he came. And so really, many modern-day Christians are very much like the Jews. You know, got the name of Jesus on, on, our, on our lips, got the name, of, you know, talking about God on our lips, but what's in our heart? Do we believe? Are we walking a path that is based on how Jesus lived, how he taught, how he ministered, how he treated people, and what he accomplished his death, burial, and resurrection? If we're not, we're not even we're not even looking for the same God he represented sometimes because what we're what we want, what we expect, what we think we need is so far fetched that it actually uh, actually will not meet any of our needs. So so when we come to Jesus. And sadly, this didn't happen. And this didn't, didn't happen. If you don't get mad at people, just pick up the pieces where you are right now. Because when we came to Jesus, the reality of it is the very first thing that we should have been discovering. First of all, you know, we should have discovered some things about who God is, but who we are in him. And we should have started taking on our new identity. We should have been baptized with faith in the fact that the old man died. He was crucified with Christ. We should have been baptized with the concept that, that we were raised up with him and that everything we have in God is based on uh, what Jesus taught, what Jesus promised. And everything about God is only knowable through the revelation of God that's given to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, and so right off the bat, and we've talked a lot about this, when you, when you think about unleavened bread, you know, leaven represents many, many things. You know, leaven on the one hand, can represent death, but uh, it can represent sin. But the main thing that leaven seems to represent are the beliefs of the heart concerning God, concerning life, concerning our identity, concerning anything relating to life and God. And so we are supposed to come to Jesus and experience leaven bread and the Passover and Really, first fruits, which you know, which I'm talking about, by the way, in our ultimate impact, which is my personal coaching program, which you can go to our website, drjimrichard.com, and and check it out and be a part of this. We're making a several week journey into practical application about putting off the old man, putting on the new man, and living a new life. But the key is, if we actually go through the process of what the leavened bread represents, then we are surrendering ourselves to Jesus as Lord, and we are saying, I will, I will eliminate every concept I have of God that is not represented by the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I'm, not, I'm not accepting anything else. I'm going to be a disciple because Jesus knew God. Jesus was God. Jesus perfectly represented everything about the Father. So I'm going to follow him. I want him to show me how to live life. I want him to show me how to put this stuff into practice. I'm going to read, uh, man, there are just so many places that we go, but I want to read from Matthew 7 and 21. You know, Matthew chapter 5, people don't realize all the way through the end of chapter 7 is one long sermon. If you break these up, then you miss a lot of, of what Jesus is trying to tell us. But Matthew 7, 21, after all these things that Jesus taught, and he taught things about the heart, he talked about how, how the 
you know, if you have adultery in your heart, it affects you just like you had committed adultery. If you have, if you have hatred in your heart, then it affects you just like you committed murder. And so he teaches us all of these things about the heart. And then Matthew seven twenty one, he says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, look, I never intimately knew you. Depart from me, because you practice lawlessness. So, so you know, I don't even know in this scripture if he's talking about people who are born again, because remember, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and getting born again is not one and the same thing. Getting born again makes it possible for you to perceive that there's a kingdom, but that doesn't mean you choose to enter it because that happens because you surrender to Jesus as Lord. So remember, we talked about this several weeks ago, how that the first trait of a, of a disciple who will have the capability of entering the kingdom of God is a believer who has a repentant, teachable heart, who is always ready to surrender their opinion to God's opinion, always ready to walk with Jesus wherever he's leading. We're always ready to say, you know what, if, if, if my opinions, I don't care where I got them, uh, if my opinions are not in harmony with who Jesus is, I got to let them go and find out, you know, who he really is so that, in fact, I can find out who God really is. And so then, then uh, Jesus goes on and he says, uh, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and, and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain descended and the floods came, the winds blew, beat that house, and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. I don't think this is talking about whether or not you get born again or don't get born again. This is talking about whether or not your life works, whether or not the pieces come together. And even when everything around you should be destroying you, it doesn't because you're building on the rock. Well, what is the rock? Well, first of all, the rock is personally the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, uh, he is the rock of offense. You know, people, people don't want to believe that Jesus is our source, that Jesus is our solution. But listen to this. He says, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine, and which are the kingdom parables, and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat that house and it fell and was a great fall. Now, a legalist will take all of this and say, this is about obeying a bunch of rules. This is about trying to satisfy God. And they will say, you know, we're saved by grace. We don't, we, we, don't, we don't obey anything. Well, no. The real truth is this is talking about a heart that is surrendered to Jesus as Lord, a heart that chooses to follow him, a heart that says, you know what? I, you know, I, I may not understand this, but I'm going to build every part of my life. By the way, the word house, and remember, Jesus wasn't speaking in Greek. Uh, the New Testament was, was written eventually in Greek, but he didn't teach in Greek. He taught in the Galilean dialect of, of Aramaic, but it was all based on the Hebrew scriptures. And so in the Hebrew, the word house and heart are almost synonymous. So he's talking about in your heart, are you building your life 
uh, on the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, now, if, if you're not, you are in lawlessness. You, you, you are actually anti-Christ. You're actually anti-God. And he says, and your, life's gonna, your life is absolutely going to fall apart. Now, listen, I'm out of time here, but we're going we're gonna to continue with this. We're going to make this uh, sound so incredibly promising. You, you really are going to have our time saying no to it. By the way, be sure and get the audio series with this. You can download it tonight, and, you get, and you'll get a free download of the book. And you know what? I'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.